This episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit VFISAD.com and let us bring your vision to reality. This is Chris Battle, character designer of Teen Titans Go, and you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. It's time. Talk time. Let's go. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Live. Started in the 80s with Matt Cross. Dudes in the hood might have called that soft, but I carried that cross like Jesus did. Fast forward, I teach the kids to learn how to let go, live life, and show love to all things that don't matter. Where y'all from? And luckily, there's a show called Talk Time. We've been waiting for this for a long time. Dax kicks the facts on all the geek news. Special guests and unbiased reviews. Suburban kids, the hipster street dudes. All can learn something new. Me too. I heard worse when no faith is empty. I stayed the course, so my haters tempt me. Beat the podcast, that'll make them envy. It ain't too trendy. It's ACMG. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. gentlemen welcome back to the journal of my life that covers all things anime comics movies and games this is acmg presents talk time live the prime show i am your host xavier josiah we are back with another fun-filled episode got a lot to talk about new trailers uh some news to talk about as well as of course marvel's what if and if you're a killmonger fan boy did they give you your money's worth this week and we're going to talk about all that i'm looking forward to running down everything that happened on that episode but on our talk topic this week we also are going to review and give my thoughts on batman the long uh, halloween part two which is out now on digital i believe it's out on physical as well i'm not sure I don't, i'm a digital downloader foremost and uh got a chance to check it out and uh got a lot to say it, it there's a, it's a bit of a contrast from the first one in terms of um you know action and storytelling and stuff like that so yeah i'm looking forward to talking about that as well but you know going into pro wrestling just for one second if you're a pro wrestling fan you know there was a lot that went on this week uh a lot um you know there's a lot of overs a lot of good and a lot of bad the good aew is just setting up for a huge huge week of events uh, coming this week and i'm looking forward to that um they've been on the ball they've really become true competition and i'm happy about that then there's the bad news and why this is relating to acmg i'll explain because the bad news is that there's a documentary series that a lot of people watch called dark side of the ring on vice tv uh, that network has really, really been on the ball in terms of like really documenting a lot of things that are going on in the world of, you know, from politics to environmental situations to cultural and pop cultural situations. And of course, you know, in this case, pro wrestling, they have a really uh, 
highly rated series that you know on their network called dark side of the ring and this week was unbelievable and uh it was covering uh events of a plane ride from that happened with the wwe and one of many but this in particular one was covered and it involves certain people that very popular people and the reason why i'm not going to go too much into it because i'm going to save this for select start and reason being is because the person in question is connected to a video game that i reviewed and had a particular person on the show and his comments may have not only affected himself but the people who invested in him and this is going to get into a conversation of what may happen or i don't what possibly could happen to why to the discussion of why as a celebrity or whatever people need to really watch out for what they do they have a huge responsibility and, and why that is important so i'll save that for select start because it will be game related trust me um and it's uh it, it's it's a shame it's a real shame at the end of the day but we'll cover that from there but we got like i said we got a lot of news to talk about so let's not waste any time folks let's find out what's new in the world of acmg and now it's time to find out what's new in the world of acmg All right, so let's start off talking about why I've changed my mind about going to see Venom 2. <laughs> it turns out that I may be reviewing that movie after all. And not only that, um, there's a reason for that. And the reason being is because there is a lot of heavy talk and rumors that something big is going to happen in that movie that connects to a whole nother universe. And I won't say too much on it i'm sure many of you are online and have been on twitter or whatever or social media uh to talk about it or read about it or in articles or read the headlines as what some of you actually do and i'm just gonna hold off on talking about that until i see it and if it is this is this is quite a big deal because it's going to intertwine with things and it's, it's been talked about for so long in terms of um you know bringing in you know certain people together with the sony universe and mcu so i hear that is something that may actually happen in venom 2 so i figured like the only reason why i would go see this movie is strictly because there's a connection to that and um yeah man it's it's uh it's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting to see what happens with that um and yeah, take note i I said that I never, I did not like the first movie. I was not a fan of the first movie at all from a stand, not because of, you know, Tom Hardy uh, or the acting or anything. Special effects were good, but truth be told, it is like, it just wasn't, I grew up, I grew up, for those who didn't listen to me, I like, I'm not a fan of the movie strictly because I'm a fan of Venom and I was a fan of Venom when he was you know created back in the 90s um when todd mcfarlane you know brought him into the like spider-man 300 and 301 and all the stuff and then they kept you know really bringing this dude up and he was once known as the most dangerous 
villain Peter Parker has ever faced. The only villain that Peter Parker did not play around with. Like mostly all of Spider-Man's um, you know, rogue gallery, he would he would you know play around with them. He would condescend. He would joke around and, and, and really intimidate them. He did not do that with Venom. He did not do that with Eddie Brock because Eddie Brock wanted him dead in so many ways. And not only that, it turns out that Eddie Brock knew who Spider-Man was. He had the symbiote that was once owned by Spider-Man himself because Spider-Man went into the Secret Wars years ago. And uh, like back in the original Prime 616, you know, universe, and he found the symbiote and in, in that dimension that they were or the space or that uh that space area that the beyonder has put them in and he acquired it and ended up having a whole new black suit and everything but the suit we found out that it was it was alive and he started bonding with peter and peter wasn't having it and thanks to the fantastic four it allowed him to not you know be a part of it anymore and you know the bell toll the sonic you know he's he's his weakness is sonic you know sounds and that was that then eddie brock who had a really big hate for him <laughs> ended up like bonding with this symbiote and they both took revenge on spider-man and lo and behold the symbiote could not be detected by his spider sense and that was the really scary part about it um, he became a monstrous version, looking version of of Peter, uh, Spider-Man, scared the living hell out of Mary Jane, and like put her in therapy. That's pretty much how bad it was. And one of my favorite Venom stories is when Venom took him to a deserted island, and it was only them two. Nobody could find him, and you got this. And this was drawn by Eric Larson, by the way, one of my other favorite or um, comic book artists ever and the great part about this is that like there's nowhere to hide you know his ability you know spider-man's uh, abilities would only take him so far because he can't find where he is he he can turn invisible he's pretty much the predator in this island and i when i read that book back in the day when i first read that book i was like i i literally felt like this might be the end of peter um because it's how is he going to survive this guy and somehow, some way, he managed to survive. Now, over the years from that point, they made a, they took a lot of liberties with the Eddie Brock character. Even I believe he's pretty much dead, if I'm correct. Uh, he had cancer, the and it was the symbiote that was saving him from ha from having cancer, I believe. And it was just from there. But during the journey, you had Cletus Cassidy, um, who took over the role of you know took over the symbiote as well and had his own. Uh, Burt symbiote that became uh, Carnage. Now, the other attractive part about this movie is that you know who better to play Cletus Cassidy than Woody Harrelson, man? Like, it almost—it's almost like the character was made for him. And I don't know because I think during the time when Cletus Cassidy was created, there was a movie that Woody Harrelson was involved in called Natural Born Killers, and I think I, I could be wrong. But I feel like they kind of based the character somewhat around him. But but Cletus Cassidy was like literally a little bit psychotic, almost Jokerish psychotic. Um, but had a hint of Woody Harrelson's character in there, and it was just this was a great casting pick, as much as it was for Nick uh, for Samuel L. Jackson to play Nick Fury in this case, or 
or uh, Patrick Stewart to play uh, Professor Xavier, Charles Xavier. So that that was a great pick. And, and Tom Hardy makes a great Brock, uh, Eddie Brock. But the problem is, is that Eddie Brock is like a hero here. And I'm like, I'm so not used to him being a hero. And it's at least not until after the fact that he fights Spider-Man. So even if they do bring Peter or when they bring Peter into the Sony universe, it's kind of hard to have this dynamic and I get it and I really understand because I need to practice what I preach that and I get that this universe is not the 616 but damn it that was such a good story I don't understand why they don't follow that story Venom is a waste of a bad guy in in, in the cinema scene he is a terror so I don't know how they're gonna make this work but to their credit the, the positives is that like the special effects is tremendous in there uh, and I think it looks even better than the first one in this so I, I am intrigued as to how they're going to play this part um, so it's 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 going to be interesting so I'll watch it and, and with the intention of hoping to see some connection begin but I don't again this is the bad part because we have a situation where Spider-Man's movie has not will not be out until later on in December. Uh, so that's going to play a part into wondering what the hell is going to happen here and, you know, how this going to tie in because they have that situation. So um, maybe it's a pre maybe it's like a prelude to what's going to happen on, um, far, you know, No Way Home. I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, um, unfortunately, you know, count me in on this. So that movie comes out on October uh, 15th. Thank goodness, because that's right after uh, NYCC and all this stuff. So I'm I'm I, I I I'm intrigued. I'm not excited yet. I'm intrigued by this. So we will see. So um, let's talk about also the trailer to Hawkeye, Marvel's Hawkeye. Um, I am now this I'm excited for. This is uh, I'm really really excited for this. Um, this is coming out, I believe, closer to Christmas as well. And uh, let me see if I'm trying to find this. Because I didn't write notes for this. Ah, here we go. So, yeah, it starts out. I, I, it looks like it's starting in New York and um, in Hawkeye's with the family. Kids have grown just a tiny bit since the events of uh, Endgame. Um, so, you know, he's looked like he's just at peace. He's not really doing anything. But he noticed on TV that he sees somebody's portraying his old character Ronan and is terrorizing, you know, crime, you know, I guess crime bosses or whatever that's going on out there. Come to find out that um, he ends up having to take care of this because, you know, his name's on the line in this and he has to find out who's the new Ronan in this case. Come to find out it is none other than Kate Bishop, who is a badass in this scene is she is just taking out all these type of crime um these criminals and everything in there and um they, it, they also show here her abilities you know with the arrow and such like that so these two are going to be teaming up to figure out um you know how they can help each other in some cases so he's looking after her and helping her through her situation and it looks like it's going to be quite a bit of action and comedy involved in this the whole trailer was tailored to look like it was going to be action comedy based in here so you know they're going through all these different hijinks um and it looks like she's going to be uh in, tra in training at this point there's a there's a whole bunch of scenes including 
you know, they're doing a Captain America musical, almost like they do with Hamilton in here. Um, and they didn't show it. There was a woman that they showed on air. They didn't look like um, the characters from uh, Black Widow, but I believe there's going to be some involvement with that, too. But this is coming November 24th on Disney Plus, which is great for me because I've been trying to find a window to just binge through every single Marvel series that they've come out with since WandaVision. Like when, when, what if it's over? And I don't know when it is because we're in episode six of that show right now. And I want to just go back and watch everything all over again. It, it, I mean, these Marvel series has been tremendous. And I got a feeling this looks like a little bit more lighthearted than the rest of them, which is great because each series has a different vibe to it. So I like the fact that Hawk and Hawkeye is a bit of a goof anyway, even no matter which version it is or variant, I should say it is of Hawkeye. He always comes off as a bit of a goof. So to have this kind of an action packed, lighthearted, maybe lethal weapon ish or rush hour ish type of vibe, I dig this. Uh, so I'm looking forward to it. And it is based around Christmas time and holiday season. So it, it'll be cool to see. I'm looking forward to that. So um, that is coming. Like I said, it's coming out November uh, 24th. So there you have it there. I want to also talk about speaking of people in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. One of my favorite actresses, Haley Atwell, no, uh, our favorite uh, Agent Carter herself is taking on another role of another badass. Haley Atwell has been announced to cast uh, the role of Laura Croft in Netflix's new Tomb Raider anime. Very interesting. Netflix announced that uh, they are in development of the series based on the legendary video game back in January. Now, we learn that the actress of the popular um, MCU character, Agent Peggy Carter, will be playing yet another role of another badass. No further details, unfortunately, were given in the in regards to the date or plot. Um, it's a funny thing, too, because we don't know which version of Laura Croft is based on. Because if you guys remember, um, the original series, you know, was based on um, the original game was based on a more older version. The reboot kind of took a little bit of the beginning st uh, stages of Laura Croft's adventures and started leaning on from there. Then you had the movies, which, you know, this is funny because I read a, I read the article on Game Informer who reported it as well. And they reported that Haley Atwell will be the third actress to, to portray this version. I don't understand what this version means because we don't know what the plot is or what it, or what version of Haley Atwell, I mean, of, not Haley Atwell, of Laura Croft. This is going to be based on is it young laura croft who's just up and coming or is it just like the more established laura croft so you know we don't have any really you know deep information as to what the plot is or where it's based with what, what timeline is based on but either way Haley atwell as the third actress to portray this version of laura croft which they included the portrayals of um uh, uh camilla uh, Cam uh camilla Ludington, who played on the reboot of the trilogy and and the game uh and the uh, video games and then um alisa uh vikander who played in the recent 2018 tomb raider film never once for some reason did not mention angelina jolie who was the first 
to portray the character in Hollywood, making her actually the fourth who portray, making Haley Atwell will be the fourth to portray it. How did they miss out on uh, Angelina Jolie? Like seriously, like one, she was in the first two, and actually there was one of the movies that people act, one of the game uh, adapted movies that people actually liked. It wasn't the best thing ever. I mean, but it was it was really good. It was actually pretty good. The first one and the second one was actually pretty good. So I didn't. I never did see the. Uh, I should probably go out to check out the new 2000 or the 2018 version. I never uh, went out to go see that, but I didn't hear anything too big about that or great about that. So I wasn't really excited to see it when it when it was announced. Um, but you know, we'll see. We'll see. Let's talk anime right now. For those like myself who own the Funimation app, and we've been talking about this from time to time throughout uh, these episodes, I've talked about, you know, some of the uh, situations with this before we announced, before the announcement of them acquiring Crunchyroll in the library. Um, we've been talking about how certain anime that has come out has not uh, uh, acquired the English dub acting yet. Scarlet Nexus finally got theirs, and now Funimation is finally released the World Ends With You anime in English. They just started. The first episode is in English. They're going to be simulcasting that now on air. So, haha, I am I am extremely happy about this because I watched. I actually went and watched the uh, the sub version, which was awesome still, but. Now we got the dub version. I'm ready to watch this whole thing over again and enjoy this with the English cast. And the first episode is out and I really enjoyed it. It was really awesome. I'm not sure if they're the same actors that did the world, the Neo World Ends With You uh, game, but it was really good. They really hit the mark. I can watch that anime so many, like many, many, many times. And that's what exactly what's going to happen. I'm so happy for this. Um, the cult favorite Square Enix video game turned anime series debuted last year on the Funimation streaming app, has, uh, which is now finally uh, going to simulcast an English dub. So previously, you know, I talked about how the Texas company was acquiring, you know, the rights to these um, to Crunchyroll's anime. And now we're starting to see a lot of migrated anime titles come in uh jojo's bizarre adventure is now in uh there's some other anime that was originally on crunchyroll that is not in. like they're showing up on the app but you they're not uploaded into the actual deal yet but they're in 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 the works of being in there like if you guys remember how the dc universe app was being migrated onto hbo max they're doing the same thing here they're slowly bringing these new titles in and it's going to all eventually expand from there so I hate to tell you this guys, but like, you know, they're expanding the library. So get ready. There may be a new price hike <laughs> here, but guess what? It is worth it because you're going to have every single piece of anime in under one pot in English and in dub. And honestly, this may actually, and it should be more opportunity for the actors uh, to, you know, do more work and, 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 you know, voice some of the anime that we've always wanted to hear in here so i'm looking forward to it i i tell you this also um getting a chance to probably get more episodes you know get all of the naruto shippuden episodes under one roof will be awesome because the naruto series is already there the original naruto series is there but shippuden is not so if i could get all that in one under one pot you know that would be fine because i believe there are more anime dubbed episodes that are available on dvd 
than it is on like Hulu and stuff like that. Hulu has a lot of episodes. I think they go all the way up to the Pain Saga and then it just goes back in the sub. But I know for a fact that that the cast, Molly, Molly and the cast has like did all of them because she I remember um, when she tweeted that she recorded her um, the last episode of that series. And, you know, she occasionally does the Baruto series um, every so often as well. So, yeah, it, um, I'm looking forward to them just putting it all on there as well as the Baruto series, too, because I haven't watched that. It, like, I think on Hulu, it only goes up to 56. So Funimation should be able to get. And I know for a fact that Amanda uh, has also voiced more episodes than that. And we talked about that um, when she was back on the show a while back. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm, I'm really excited about the future of Funimation. And again, folks, I, I will say this again. For those those anime uppity people who claim that they like the sub and claim that the sub is superior, if that was the case, why the hell did Funimation acquire Crunchyroll? How did they how did they how did they lose out to this? OK, I got to remind people of this because there's this this whole discussion of sub versus dub and why sub, the dub is not as good as the sub is it it's officially over simply because Funimation who is the leading anime company with dubbed anime and their biggest niche was that they were doing dub anime as opposed to Crunchyroll which was all sub for Funimation to acquire uh, I mean for um, Funimation to require, acquire Crunchyroll that would mean that they have gotten a ton of money and yes sony brought them too that's still a great deal because there was something worth more investing if they felt that um crunchyroll was worth investing i'm sure they would have went to crunchyroll i'm sure they would have acquired crunchyroll but they did not they went to funimation and now we have now we we pretty much have everything under one pop which means we'll be getting more dub so if you hate dub now you're gonna hate it then but i feel like you shouldn't i feel like you should enjoy everything for what they are like those people who love sub i get it it's cool it's cool to want to love to be cultured but in part in being cultured is also learning about the culture which means learn how to speak the language learn about the dialect learn about the afflictions everything about that you can't just say that you love the sub just to say, just for the fact that it's sub that to me is the most pretentious thing in the world like i liked watching anime regardless back in the day because it was anime because of the art and, and the culture and speculate and the spectacle of it it wasn't because it was sub or dub and i love some of the voices of it but i you know growing up me and i never had that discussion we never had that discussion of sub and dub back in the day now granted in the 90s the dubbing the dub anime um acting was not good because they didn't take the culture seriously they didn't understand the culture but the 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 talent that now puts so much effort and respect into the cultural that's why there's such thing as an adr writer and director you know the adr writers and directors are there to make sure that they respectfully put the dialogue the dialect that's from japan in a way that it makes it more appealing and understanding to us but still has the respect of what they did there and that is an important task to do and i think that they do it tremendously well so i just wanted to keep bringing that up like dub is here to stay these actors are great and their fan base is big so deal with it <laughs> 
So, um, yeah, so I want to talk about uh, moving on to comic book news, more like comic book and comic book series. Um, I got a chance to check out Why the Last Man, which I didn't think I was. Be, I've become very interested in what that series was because I was I heard so many great things about it. And I got a chance to watch the first three episodes. I believe the fourth episode is out now. So I, I'm looking forward to watching that. Um, the first I read before I did that, I actually read the comic because the comic is available in comic, uh, comicsology said it right this time. <laughs> it's available in comicsology right now that you can check out the first, uh, you know, issue, or you can check out the first volume, uh, which is consisted of everything that happened leading up, leading up to Yurik's, um, situation and why he is the last, supposedly the last man on earth that survived this terrible terrible epidemic <laughs> i mean just like we're just men everything everything male was just dying like whether it was you know horses and 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 you know you know humans and everything that was considered male with the male with the y chromosome just died and it was a it was creepy and crazy what i didn't like here's the thing i well it ended up being good afterwards, but I, when I read the first issue, it was so slow paced because I'm waiting for everything to happen. But they kept going everywhere with these different storylines of, you know, characters like his sister and his mom, who's like um, who's in who's in uh, to politics and the office and everything. And she winds up becoming a president uh, because of the fallout of all the presidents that was supposed to take over. And she was the next one up after everybody from there. So. They, it was it was a very slow paced thing and they were, were just trying to you know just reading off every other character story leading up to the moment where everybody every male just dies and except for yurik um and his monkey ampersand apparently which dude i don't know if ampersand is actually and i i don't know if ampersand is actually a male or female i didn't haven't read that deep to find out whether he uh that uh animal is or whatnot but i gotta feel it i haven't read thoroughly through and i know people who have i'm just saying it as a person who hasn't read farther for that and you may know or not so you know no spoilers <laughs> i wonder i got a feeling that that monkey has something to do with why yurik's alive it's still alive because they still haven't figured it out so i read the first few issues of that but i then watched the show and actually i really really like the last um i i really like the the show better in terms of how they paced the story around leading into everything that was going on um what they did and, and they took a lot of liberties they took an, an, a a lot of liberties of the book like what happens in the book and how the book is structured to the lead up of everything happening compared to what it what the fx show does very different i mean very very different. i mean they still keep the premise but everything around it has dramatically changed in that respect um in fact when it starts off when they start off the show it's like a, they automatically start off with yurik and amper uh, and amp pretty much just walking in the, in the dead uh in the dead world <laughs> you know where it's just him and he has his you know protective gear on and make sure that he's not detected and we already see the apocalyptic you know situation already happen but 
then from that point they go to the past that leads up to how this happened and they did i wish the actual i wish the actual um the actual comic did that too because it would have made the pacing a lot better for me to know what was going on because i already knew what was going on and what happened in the story and everything but i felt it was just taking too long to get there I think that they felt the same way with the TV series and decided to just say like, look, this is what it's going to look like now. And here's how it got to that point. And I really appreciated that. The other thing I noticed too, is they changed a lot of, they changed a few storylines around, um, with that as well. Like, um, the daughter, the daughter in the, uh, series, uh, Jennifer Brown, uh, let me see, let me see. Let me see. Yeah. Ashley Brown. Um, who is no, no no let me see i gotta figure out her name i'm trying to find out because the, the daughter pretty much in here she kind of has a different type of uh personality here as opposed to um it is in the comic book in the comic yeah she is a paramedic i believe but she's kind of a person who you know she kind of just you know lives carefree and sleeps around a lot and such where in the actual where in the actual um in the actual comic i mean in the actual show she's not really like that she had dated one guy who just happened to be married and whatnot and our oh, hero is her name pretty much olivia uh therapy uh pl plays this character and i kind of is i didn't mind it i didn't mind the changes of any of these guys like she became um not exactly a person who just sleeps around all the time or, or at least they haven't showed that part yet but in the comic they show they make it seem like she's just a fly by night type of you know woman who just sleeps with every single person in the world and there was a scene in the book where two women were kind of you know throwing shade on her you know saying that she was um you know pretty much a pretty much a slut pretty much and sleeping around with everybody and hope that she gets you know a, you know an affection or whatever like that and that's when everything went down on her end in terms of the the, the epidemic of things but in the, in the actual show she's only sleeping with one guy at least they show her just sleeping with one guy and she's really into this dude and the dude actually um claims that he was going to leave his wife for her and didn't come to find out she found out that he didn't and they ended up getting into a big fight that led to her killing him accidentally with uh by well i mean she was trying to injure him but she <laughs> she pretty much basically killed him with a uh with a fire extinguisher that kind of sliced his neck and he was bleeding profusely to the point he was just done and lucky for her that people will never know because that pant that that epidemic pretty much happened and he people were dying anyway so it was kind of you know in that sense but she still felt a ton of guilt for it so much to the point that somehow some way she ended up um meeting up with his wife some form or fashion and she kind of sort of kind of confessed to him surprisingly the woman wasn't upset in a sense that like she felt like something was happening she felt like there was an affair going on and now that she figured it out and she had a, just a different aspect about it she was like okay great at least he wasn't alone at the end and she just went on her way after you know hero actually helped her out it was really interesting so we get a lot of 
you know, we get a lot of backstory from her on the show as well. Uh, in here, Agent 355, Ashley Romans may be one of the two badass characters in this show. The other one is none other than Diane Martha Lane. Yes, Martha from uh, from Man of Steel in as uh, Batman versus Superman. Yeah, she's in here. And let me tell you, Diane Lane is awesome. Diane Lane is, you know, she's she's uh, Senator Jennifer, uh, Jennifer Brown, who is the uh, mother of Yurik and daughter of um, Hero. I mean, and the mother of um, Yurik and Hero, I should say. And through all of this, everything that has happened, she was stern through the entire thing. She's trying to be is, you know, she's trying to be the leader she's trying to be she is becoming a great leader uh, in herself and the idea here is that she was the next one up and actually there was another female um politician that was supposed to be the one up but apparently she was injured and um in some trip that she went to and apparently the now the storyline is that like this woman's still alive and the crazy part is is that nobody wants her to be president because this woman apparently is insane like my pillow guy insane <laughs> in this case um and it's it just it, it's it's a situation is going to come out to be very interesting uh when she comes back then not only that who else is on here there's going to be there's going to be a lot of interesting um people in here there's another there's another character in here uh and i forgot her name the girl she played on uh two and a half men as charlie harper's um as charlie harper's daughter after he died and i forgot her name it is not showing up here for some reason because she's going to become a pivotal character in the series but man i tell you this um this series is turning is, is turning out to be really good i'm looking forward to um what's going to happen in this and I'm, I'm i'm all officially in i am absolutely in on this show um i will actually continue to read the book too but the thing is is like if you never read the book before it doesn't matter because the book and the series does have the same premise but they're so far uh, apart from each other uh that some things are going to happen but it's loosely based on it's more loosely based on the series like you'll have the same characters in there but they're not going to be looks like they're not going to be doing the same thing his um his Yurik's girlfriend too is another big change in here as well because Yurik's girlfriend in in the comics is white and blonde and the tv series she is black uh and it's uh really interesting that they made that change too i don't know to what reason they wanted to make the change i don't mind it but at the same time it's it's like one of those things they didn't have to do but they wanted to do but it's like all right whatever uh either way i'm i'm totally in on this show it's really cool um i'm dying to see what agent 335 do because she is basically ashley romance she actually plays this role very well Uh, i think she's awesome she is her whole deal is to make sure that senator jennifer brown is protected at all times that and now that they know that yurik is alive they have to keep that secret there was a scene where basically um these two pilots these two military pilots were freaking out because they discovered that he was alive and based on the idea of how they reacted is how she was gonna uh, react to them and take action on them 
they started freaking out because they wanted to hear more questions. They wanted to know why they were panicking that they that the women uh, that were alive are gonna feel like that there's some, there's a big cover up of what's going on. So she set it up for her that she was going to that she was going to uh, issue them a medal of honor, you know, for their for their uh, diligence and bravery. This agent is known who's like a deep undercover agent for the CIA or whatever, something like that. But, and she was uh, in there to see who was going to assassinate the president, but turns out the president ends up dying anyway. Uh, so now she, her whole entire operation is to protect the last president or the only president that he have. And basically her job is to make sure that she protects Yurik. She does so by setting up for these guy for the uh, two pilots to lead them in and she was going to fly another helicopter all of a sudden <laughs> their helicopter um burst into flames and explodes and yurik is freaking out but she's not and she's like no we stick to the plan and yurik automatically knows like did this chick just set them up and if you've seen the beginning like earlier in the show in one of the episodes she sets up to uh she has a way of you know setting up explosives and, and blowing up things and setting up things as traps or whatever she is going to be a pivotal part of this series and how she's going to you know how she's going to be loyal to senator jennifer brown is going to be very interesting especially when it's new uh this other senator who's a president who's really supposed to be the one before taking over the role it's going to be coming so there's going to be a bit of a civil war of political philosophies going on here and then you uh like i said you have the other woman who's just like politicking her way to everything and it's it's just gonna be it's gonna be really really cool it's gonna be really cool so i am looking forward to this uh as well so kudos to them i love this i'm loving the show already so all right folks let's talk about it marvel what if this week what if killmonger saved tony stark Oh my goodness. Do we got a lot to talk about here? Okay. Um, let's get let's get to it. This episode gives fans who wanted to bring Killmonger back their just due. They got this and more. I mean, I couldn't have you couldn't have written a better story. You know, what if Killmonger was not only still alive, but what if he just took over the whole entire front? Let's get to it. I'm ready. This episode bases itself on the events of Iron Man 1, where Tony is on a business trip to uh, in Afghanistan uh, and is escorted by soldiers when suddenly they're attacked by the Ten Rings. If you guys remember that at the very first uh, Iron Man, you know, that started it off the very first scene, if you will. Of course, we know from the movie in the prime version of the MCU uh, we see this happens, but in this universe, Tony is saved from an explosion of his own making as uh, none other than, you know, Eric Killmonger Stevens comes in and saves him by taking the missile and throwing it away uh, from him and Tony, saving him, both, saving them both. Um, as a result of his heroic efforts, Tony acquires his services. Unfortunately for Tony, he has no idea at the time what he's bringing into his future. We then go to Tony as he is answering questions at a um, and of his experience at a press conference. And Tony in the original movie realized that during his press conference where he was sitting down eating cheeseburgers, by the way, not so much this time. Uh, you know, in the original one, he realized that he didn't need to develop any more new weapons because it was 
it was it, you know he was almost killed by it but it also realized how much it's killing everybody else and doing danger for everybody more danger than it is helping everybody else but in this universe because he did not get that shrapnel because he did not go through what he went through uh with the ten rings and all that stuff and he didn't create the iron man suit he believes that stark industries need to be bigger and more powerful and creating better weapons so i mean he's gonna fight back he's gonna fight back at these guys it was also here that tony appointed killmonger as c uh, as cso in other words chief security officer which originally was pointed to happy in iron man 3 if you guys remember uh so he gave that to him for his bravery and saving him as well happy was not happy about this at all and it, i thought that was pretty funny because you know we all know that he really you know in iron man 3 he really took that to, you know to stride and stride with that with that promotion uh killmonger continues actually was it two that he got that promotion to no he did he got it in three he got it in three but killmonger continues to um return in the uh return of favor by revealing that he recovers plan he re well first of all he admitted because the reporter once again the reporter that was in iron man one and two uh she returned uh the reporter recovered um I mean, the reporter asked him, like, how is it that you and your unit were able to be there? You guys were 400, um, like 400 miles or 400 yards away from the, you know, the battle area. And Tony was like, you're, are you accusing him of knowing, having, um, you know, more having advanced intelligence of what was going on? And Killmonger admitted that and continues to return the favor to Tony by revealing that he recovered plans of an assassination of Tony Stark, which was approved by Obadiah Stane, who is a secret member of the Ten Rings. So we never, at this point in time, the whole entire plot of Iron Man is completely out the door because that was the whole thing was that we found out in the original movie that Obadiah Stane, he was with the Ten Rings and this whole thing, and he and Iron Monger never becomes, you know, so he never gets that suit and also we never get the arc reactor and everything either which well that's something that's going to be talked about later on as well killmonger doubled uh doubles down on this by showing all of the evidence uh to the media representatives and he put it all out on on social on um the internet he put it out on google he said google it it's all there now dude is no joke eric eric stevens eric killmonger stevens is absolutely no joke so tony immediately had Obadiah arrested as he was trying to get away from Happy and get away from the guards. Happy knocked him the hell out right there. Like he was like, I've been waiting to do this. He's like, I knew he was something wrong with him. So that's that whole thing. Iron Man one is completely changed at this point. Later, when uh, they celebrated and bonded, Tony had a crazy idea of rapidly and impulsively uh, promoting Killmonger to COO. He was already the chief security officer. He's now COO in just like almost like a day. How impulsive is that? Um, you know, taking he's now taking Obadiah's position. So um, Pepper was not happy about this news, nor should she, as she walked away uh she met up with james rhodes who provided some a little bit of intel and i say a little bit because this dude covered a lot of his grounds <laughs> so he um james provided uh roadie i should say provided a lot of intel on or some intel on killmonger um later we see tony and killmonger in his lab where 
the two share another moment about their fathers as well as a plan eric had involving a combat drone that he was uh putting together and a theory uh, a theory that he was putting together when he was uh studying at mit so take note this idea that he had for a combat drone was also the idea that was uh, that was made by ivan vonko aka whiplash in iron man 2 so take note of that tony decides to help him with his uh, mit project and entitled liberator take note on that one okay uh and the two proceeded to create the prototype this was a funny moment here especially if you're an anime fan this was a very funny and cool moment because you have tony who looks at the design of project liberator and mentions how big and bold this design was eric immediately responds to say what i like anime which this was a wink wink to all fans of michael b jordan the character of killmonger and the idea that the anime theme the anime theme to killmonger here tony says worst case scenario will end up with the world's most expensive gundam model okay not only does this play into the idea of fan of these situations of michael b jordan's fandom for anime but this also plays into the idea that fans had about killmonger's armor which was said to be inspired by the saiyan armor most famously worn by vegeta in dragon ball z and this literally confirmed this this absolutely confirmed this without even remotely saying it and it's it was awesome it was that was awesome because i remember when black panther first came out and we saw the design the, the the armor design the armor plate that that um killmonger was wearing and how people was relating it to you know vegeta's you know it was like another version of vegeta's armor and i believe i don't know or i, probably, I forgot maybe it was michael b jordan himself or ryan coogler that said yeah it was kind of kind of had a, in, a little bit of an inspiration off of vegeta's um outfit and everything so this was kind of doubling down on this and it, i thought that was really really cool for them um he instantly uh thinks that uh make yeah, that was another there was another funny uh, moment too um and trying to figure out how to give a the combat drone more power he instantly thinks about tony instantly thinks about making a small arc reactor but decides that that's a dumb idea i thought that was hilarious that right there because it's like okay he ends up doing that anyway had he had he been um kidnapped by the ten rings but here he thinks that's the dumbest idea in the world that i that is just awesome eric then mentions about getting uh vibranium now here's the here's the even funnier part they use vibranium as the solution for power had tony not th thought about the making a small arc reactor was stupid killmonger's plan wouldn't have worked here and i'll see we'll, we'll talk about that as why eric eric then mentions getting vibranium and Tony thinks that of retrieving more from none other than Ulysses Claw, who Pepper also is not happy with anyway, because they know that he's kind of a bit of a arms dealer. A, you know, he kind of, you know, he's a thief. <laughs> it was known for taking vibranium from Wakanda or whatever, or retrieving other things that he should not be retrieving from the black market. 
so Rhodes meet up with Claw, and this is this is uh, this scene is really interesting. Rhodes um, meets up with Claw to you know make a deal with him to retrieve the vibranium, only to be attacked by Black Panther himself, T'Challa, again making his maybe third or fourth appearance now. <laughs> okay, on the show, so Killmonger, who happens to know who T'Challa is, uh, and and that he it, they are related, mind you, because he he actually says when he uh comes into the scene he says sorry cuz he already meaning he already knows who the hell he is he already has his intel he already knows everything that's going on so that you kind of get an understanding like okay there's something deeper to his plot he knows exactly what's going on here he uses the sonic device that obadiah stain uses on tony stark to stop panther and roadie in, in their tracks um it was then we see killmonger not only kill his cousin t'challa but he also kills Rhodes too. But before he, before Killmonger did that and did away with Rhodey, he asked uh, Eric why, why was he doing it? Um, to which Killmonger said, better question, why wear the uniform of our oppressors? Fight for them, die for them. Rhodey said, you have to be a part of the system to change the system. Killmonger takes the, US, um, the USA shoulder patch off his shoulder and before piercing him with black panther's vibranium claws killing him dead he says no nah, you can burn it down let me tell you something <laughs> i know i'm not the only one that thought about this but there's a lot of people who were online when they were talking about this episode especially on our acmg facebook group when we were discussing this episode mostly the people the people in my community we were thinking about this and it was like whenever Killmonger talks about why he's doing what he's doing you kind of understand why he does what he does but also it's how he does it which really makes you not want to be about what he does and it's like okay I get it we had like me as a black person us as a black community we have been oppressed for years and here you have this this country of wakanda this hidden country of wakanda where it has all the wealth and riches and everything and he had the resources to help us but they choose not to for some reason under their own volition for some reason and then you got eric who is what he is part wakandan you know he's he's um a wakandan american if you will and he sees everything that's going on on the other side of the world he sees how we are being treated he sees everything that is going down he's been through a lot of trial and tribulations himself his father was gunned down well okay we in this universe that whole thing still happens and you know in terms of um t'chaka actually killing his father and they they, they do kind of hint on that uh throughout the entire show and episode but you have him going through all this and seeing i mean part of him is technically a anti-hero because he's going about he's the punisher in his own way in a sense that he's or magneto to that to that extent he's going about he's trying to look out for the people of us he's trying to look out for us but he's going about it in such an extreme way and 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 and, and, and even more and more cerebral way that he's willing to do whatever it takes at the with the end game of possibly making sure that all of us 
are, are, you know, are taken care of. But you still got this one little lingering thought of, is it really about us or is it really about him taking, getting power? But he uses that, 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 that reason as his shield. So it's really still off-putting as to really whether he was, is, is he really about the movement or is he not? You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's, it's, it's he's an, he's an enigma. He is, he is absolutely an enigma in this case. Um, so, you know, he, he ends up, you know, killing him off. And that's, that turns out that Killmonger and Claw were working together all along. We then see members of the U.S. Uh, Air Force and the Dora Milaje carry both James Rhodes in the U.S. and T'Challa's coffin and, um, and Wakanda back. It is also discovered that King T'Chaka in this universe is still alive, that the events of um, Civil War never possibly have happened in some cases. And... And it actually it didn't because at this case because it, you know the all of this happened before. Uh, it actually all happened before this whole situation. Like so, it was based on Iron Man One. Civil War never even came about. The Avengers has never even formed at this point. Uh, so that has never happened. Nick Fury has not made his appearance yet. So none of this has happened in this world. This is crazy. It's just as I'm, as I'm remembering this and reading this off. So. Yo, King, uh, King T'Chaka is still alive in his universe, uh, and he is um, in what, alive and well among with uh, Queen Ramonda and Suri in here. And we then go to Tony's loft where Killmonger returns with a Wakanda spear as a gift. Tony then reveals to Eric that he knows he's responsible for the death and killing of um, Rhodey and T'Challa. Thanks to Jarvis, who recorded everything that was going on. Tony uh, begins to seal off any, any chance of Killmonger escaping his wrath uh, Tony uses his you know Eric's own combat drone to kill him only to fail as Eric begins to outmaneuver the drone and destroy him using uh, the vibranium spare to take out the drone and as he also uses it to pierce Tony and killing him as well as we then go to another scene where the paramedics take away Tony's body as Pepper, Happy, Eric, and Colonel Ross now steps into the game, uh, who is, you know, discussing what the hell has happened. Eric told him that, you know, it was a hit job from the Wakandans, uh, which leads Ross to want to strike back. Pepper and Happy are not convinced at, at all because Eric's claim of Eric's claim and wonders why Jarvis's records were wiped clean of this incident, which is really interesting. Uh, so they never got a chance to see Tony's death here. Eric decides to volunteer to, uh, for the mission while Ross officially claims all of Stark's uh, Stark Industries assets to the military. This is getting so bad. Eric begins creating an army of these combat drones to take on Wakanda. This is going to be interesting. He meets up with Ulysses Claw, who is thrilled at his efforts seeing all of the army of uh, combat drones with him. Just ex totally excited here. Um, Eric Killmonger, uh, Eric Killmonger Stevens then asked Claw to go on a field trip and in almost in the same way that you ask that that you know owners get their dogs on a field trip to the farms and you know what happens when that happens rather that dog is done whenever you hear that happen you go like in fact if you ever watch Family Guy episodes when it, when um 
I think there's like two episodes I've seen on Family Guy where uh, Peter asks Brian to go to go on a, go for a ride, and Brian is like, you know, Stewie is like, oh, this is not good. <laughs> One of which he, uh, you know, Peter has a gun with him. <laughs> He's gonna just off him and shoot him or whatever like that. You know, when you hear that, that's just never a good thing. Never go for a ride with people. So they end up going for a ride. They head out to the beginning of the area where you would enter Wakanda. Claw annoys Killmonger, whistling to whistling at him and calling him boy, which you saw the look on uh, Eric's face. It was like, oh, I'm about to I'm about to deal with this dude. It urges him to hurry up, uh, you know, before the Wakandas uh, come with spears. And, you know, he calls him savages and everything. So, like, this is the part where, you know, Ulysses Claw gets to his old racist self. You know, he, he'll work with you, but he will he will be as racist as possible in doing so so this is the part where that led to the end of ulysses claw as killmonger shoots him he, and um before he does he's he basically tells him like yeah wakandas always have a way of surprising you don't he and shoots him dead uh shoots him down and just like the movie he is given to the he gives the body of uh claw to the wakandans as a peace offering while also revealing that he is from Wakanda as well, and his uh, father is T'Chaka's um, brother. King T'Chaka decides to take him in, despite Queen Ramonda's and, and um, Yuri's, uh, Shuri's concern. As planned, Killmonger tells the queen, uh, the king and queen, and um, the the combat drones uh, that he sent is coming to you know coming to take them down on behalf of the u.s military but does not mention that he's the one that designed them that he's the one that is controlling them or anything killmonger offers to fight on their side just total manipulation here man um so like he has beef here's the thing he has beef with the u.s for oppressing us understandably so but then he also has beef with the wakandans for not helping this is just the mindset the whole mindset of it just i love this episode because it does remind you of why killmonger is doing everything that he did in the original movie and that philosophy and mindset and anger is carried out majorly here so we get to see exactly what he would have done had he not died in the original black panther had all this stuff this is just crazy um and they you know they didn't disappoint so he like i said he decides to you know join up with them and fight by their side and a cool moment we see queen ramonda angela bassett reprising a role here um for the first time ever we see her in full battle armor leading the charge to fight the drones she's leading the charge that t'challa would have originally done this is the first time ever that we've seen her in action. Almost the same thing as um, what we saw in the episode um, with Nick Fury as to what if the Avengers have all died. And we saw, you know, Nick Fury, even though it was low key fighting, we got to see him in action to some extent. You know, we get to see the same thing. This is a really cool moment here. We get to see King Queen Ramonda because we don't get to see her too much in black panther or even in endgame but she does show up she does have her scenes uh, i'm pretty sure she's gonna have even a, a bigger scene in the second movie that's coming out so i would be surprised if she's not especially after this point uh, i would love to see you know angela bassett really you know kick some ass in this one in the next one coming up but we get to see it here so it's awesome meanwhile back at us headquarters who while they're monitoring this colonel ross 
witnesses the rumored Wakanda for the first time as the combat drones approach the Wakandan army. The drones enter and stop due to interference as if they lost some Wi-Fi in a dead zone. However, while the Wakandans celebrate, Eric has them fooled. He has a device that, re that reactivates the drones and they continue to march towards the Wakandans. Eric makes them believe that Tony Stark may have had a backup generator that started the drones back up. You know, a failsafe system in case this happens. Killmonger Lee. Now, take note, while this is happening, Colonel Ross and all of them still has no idea what's going on because their whole entire feed is taken out on purpose so they won't see what's happening. So they won't see or listen to Eric Killmonger manipulate the whole entire situation and make it seem like he's, a, you know, on the Wakandan side. So Killmonger decides to lead another charge, make it, and it seem like he's the hero of Wakanda here. And also, you know, showing legions of, you know, from, from the king and queen is Suri. Suri's still not falling for this, by the way. We go to Eric, who is watching the sun after he saves all of Wakanda and everything and makes it seem like he's the hero. He's pretty much kayfabing this whole thing. So we go to see the scene where he actually is alive to see the sunrise of Wakanda, just like his father told him, whereas in the original story of the movie, he only gets this last thing, last beautiful thing he gets to see. This time he is joining with T'Chaka and they have a moment of bonding. It was here that Eric announces his loyalty to the king in Wakanda, which of course leads him into inheriting the mantle of Black Panther. If you recall, when one takes the role of Black Panther, they, rece uh, they receive uh, the herb that, you know, takes them through the ancestral planes where the former Black Panther spirit rests. This was a really cool moment here because here, it is here that we get Eric in the astral plane in a spiritual plane um, where he met with T'Challa and T'Challa asked him, was it all worth it? And this, of course, we hear the late, great Chadwick Boseman once again in a great scene. Eric says, uh, yes, he did it because he wanted revenge of, uh, of his father and those in our culture who suffer uh, from oppression while you guys just watched. This was to me, just as deep as a moment as it was in the scene at the end of Black Panther. It was like just bringing that whole entire situation back. And it was just a great scene. And, and them just talking about it, it just hits you once again of everything that we've gone through, probably just, I don't, not even just from 2020, but just for years and everything. And it's just, oh man, it's just, this is gangster. <laughs> it's just, it's really, man, it's just it's very, very intense. T'Challa says that he believes that the best way to cure, the best way to cure uh, human suffering is with more suffering. That's what he believes that would, um, what Killmonger believes. Eric says the cure is power. That's exactly what he's doing. T'Challa said that his path will uh, get the best of him eventually on his plane or theirs. So, you know, it is just, it's gonna happen. We then, at the final scene, we then go to Pepper walking to, with Colonel Ross and who is planning to strike Wakanda again. Pepper enters her office, you know, really, you know, just breathing of relief and only to find Suri waiting for her there. Suri provides evidence that Killmonger, uh, in fact, did kill Tony and T'Challa. And the two decide to work together to take Killmonger down. That's how the movie, I was about to say the movie. That's how the story ends, folks absolutely a tremendous episode absolutely tremendous and look 
shout out to my man Pete, who um who was on the ACMG Facebook group, and he kind of said it best. It's like every episode so far has been a best episode. I would definitely say that. And I think here's what I'm gonna do. At the when when this entire season ends, I will give a full review and thoughts of the entire season and then narrow it down to what I thought was the number one best episode of them all. Uh, Cause the reason why I'm gonna do this is because unlike the other episodes, they were all episodic. This one is not, this is all separate, uh, ep- separate uh, stories in itself. So there are people who may have a favorite among them um, the most. I would also say, I'm gonna also put out a poll for ACMG Facebook group. So if you wanna be a part of that, you know, go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash ACMG one. When the series end, I'm gonna put out a poll and I wanna, I'm gonna get the uh, reviews of who, what our ACMG members thought as well in terms of like what they thought was the best episode to date on air too. It was just amazing, man. I would say for me right now, they were all of them were great. All of them were awesome. This one might be my very my very favorite so far. This one it may be my favorite because the story that they had with Killmonger here was already deep enough um, in the movie, but they, you really got a chance to dig deeper into this because he's alive and he was you know around during the times and everything. So you get to see a little bit more of what's happening here, and it's just fantastic and deep. He 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 out Magneto Magneto. <laughs> okay so you know this is how we survive you know we got to do what we got to do to survive sometimes and you know sometimes you take it deep <laughs> I, don't, I don't condone i'm not for or condone or justify what killbacher has done to get to this point but it, it, you kind of under you kind of get an understanding of why you know are there better ways to handle it absolutely absolutely he did it his way and whew, i tell you so before we even end this, uh, let's talk about the cast real quick. Um, you know, who is here, who is not Tony Stark, Iron Man, of course, our, um, Robert Downey Jr. Too expensive to play this role, <laughs> these roles here. Um, instead, Mick Wingert once again portrays the role. And, you know, I thought it was a great idea because he's played Tony Stark in the animated series and the video games. He is the animated voice of Tony Stark and he is the best choice to really sound like Robert Downey Jr. That's funny too because in the in the animated um in animated uh series and cartoons that he's done for uh Disney XD and all that stuff, he does sound like Robert Downey Jr. but kind of doesn't. He kind of takes a a smidget away, but on here, he directly sa- he absolutely sounds like Robert Downey Jr. He his mannerisms and everything is all there. Whereas in an animated version, it's kind of loosely off of Robert Downey Jr. to an extent. But they, he did a great job mimicking the voice and the mannerisms of, of Robert Downey Jr.'s portrayal of Tony Stark. It's just, it was really well done. The same way that they did with Steve, um, Steve Rogers as well. Of course, there's no way in hell you're going to find anybody else to play Killmonger than Michael B. Jordan, who is reprising the role. He's too much of a fan not to. Okay. This is awesome. He gets his moment. He gets more of his moment here. I thought he did a tremendous job in his role. It's not the first time he's ever voiced uh, a, an animated show. Remember, he played Cyborg in Flashpoint Paradox. Um, he might have done some more other you know, voice work before, but this is not his first rodeo. 
and uh he did this he he played his role very well i loved every minute of it he he man did he ever knock out this role <laughs> okay uh happy hogan john Favreau returns uh to reprise that role too nobody's playing this role he he established happy hogan very greatly here uh great time we're here chadwick bozeman once again i love this we get so much of him in here thank you disney thank you chadwick thank you. just i i mean you got the one episode that's just fully on him you got um the zombie episode where he comes back and reprises his role again and then he comes back in here with a more pivotal role once again playing black panther unfortunately once again dying <laughs> but the um you know coming back as the spiritual plane as the ancestral you know becoming an ancestral um planes and one of the um forefathers of the black panthers you know it was a really great moment beautiful moment there angela bassett reprises her role as queen ramonda and we get to see her in all of her badass glory in here like i really i i hope that in the second uh series we get to see her in this in the dory milaje uh you know costume and everything and fighting it's just awesome i would love to i've seen interviews with her on on uh other on tv talking about this but i don't hear the questions i want to hear i got i would love to hear her if i ever had the opportunity i would love to um talk to her about like i, I don't think anybody knows but the the role of storm was approached by her many 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 years ago and in, in the year 2000 or before that when you know the x-men was first arrived and by at that time comic book movies weren't established as a mainstream type of thing back then it was when x-men came out and spider-man came out those and and, and, and blade first i you always got to give credit to blade because it was the one that really proved that you could make a really quality superhero uh movie and they that's when they decided to do spider-man and x-men and x-men was the second one up and then they really made a big deal and holly berry ended up taking that role angela bassett always should have played that role but she she was this was at the time where the ideology for actors was superheroes superhero films comic book films may not be the best idea to you know take on for your you know as your, for your resume or you know line of deals but oscar-winning actors started taking on these roles and by this point angela bassett was far removed from it and the first time she ever got in was green lantern of all things unfortunately and they they really miscasted her and miscasted the character and 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 you know it was just awful from that point now she gets another chance being on you know this movie and getting to see her in action now it's just pretty pretty awesome i would love to hear her thoughts on what she thought about back then how things have changed for her now and her you know attitude towards being in a part of something like this um you know i i would i don't fault her i don't fault her because nobody knew that the comic book movie industry or the superhero cinematic industry would be as big as it is now and would be as established as is now and, and people would take you know more risk to be a part of these movies now because they have made them you know brought, brought a lot more quality and prestige to these movies now as they have so it's really good to see her really taking on these roles and being a part of this universe now uh okoye returns danae uh guerrera uh we see her almost like every week now <laughs> on these shows she's uh made his appearance here now too so 
Andy uh, Serkis makes his return and reprises his role once again as Ulysses Claw. And again, I don't think there's anybody else who could play this role either. Like, especially when he gets really devilish and annoying, he does it best. Rhodey is played by none other than Don Cheadle. He he comes back to play this role still. So the crazy part is like in this timeline, because we don't see Iron Man, we don't see War Machine either. So that never comes to fruition. Uh, And then on top of that, he dies. So we get no Iron Man or or um, or War Machine or Iron Patriot or whatever like that here as well. Uh, nor do we get Vision because he at this point he's still Jarvis. <laughs> so Paul Bettany returns as Jarvis and not as Vision here as well. So it's just crazy. Um, I mentioned a reporter before, uh, Christine Everhart, who's played by once again uh, Leslie Bibb. And I love that they, you know, they, they try their best to stick to their roles of getting some of the original people and, you know, who played a part in these roles. I, I Look, I get it. You, you can't afford it. You can't. You got You're on a budget. It probably costs millions and millions of dollars to put in these Marvel series alone. And then on top of that, you got to do this animated series as well, which the animation for this. God knows how much they're paying to make this animation the way it looks. OK, so uh, T'Chaka uh, is played by John Connie, who returns as the, who plays the role of the original T'Chaka in the movie. So he's back as well. It's great to see him on here. Um, Obadiah Stane, we don't get, um, fortunately we don't get Jeff Bridges. I would have loved that, but credit to them. We get uh, Keith uh, Vanderhovel, who um, he does a great job on here as well. He, um, what does he do? He, he's played on Batman versus Superman before Dawn of Justice uh, as um, a character on there. And he's played in both Marvel's uh, Spider-Man and Spider-Man Miles Morales uh, as well. So, I mean, he did a really good job as Jeff Bridges uh, version of Obadiah Stane. Also not here is Gwyneth Paltrow to play Pepper Potts. And his place is Beth Hort, uh, who I again just does a pretty good job here it doesn't exactly sound like Gwyneth Paltrow but it's passable at best um we also uh we also don't uh, get William Hurt uh playing the role of General Ross but instead we get Mike McGill who I believe General Ross was in another episode too so Mike McGill plays his role I thought you know quick easy also you know great job passable job too as well and then we got Siri who looks like a little bit younger in this version of it uh we don't get to see Latita Wright uh, play the role here. In this place, we get Ozamo, Ozama uh, Akask. I'm going to butcher this name. Akaga. Uh, Akaga. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> Who's playing the role of Sari. And she does pretty well, too. And of course, we get Jeffrey Wright as the watcher for every episode here. What Absolutely my favorite episode to date. I love the zombie episode and I loved all the other episodes before that. But this one, man. It, people wanted to see more Killmonger we got to see more Killmonger we got what we wanted and it did not disappoint at all love this episode indeed boy god I don't know what to say for you guys if you're not watching this series or if you don't own Disney plus how can you not be a Marvel fan whether it be at the comic books or the MCU and not own Disney plus right now because they got so much content for fans of this brand go out of your way and check it out folks that will do it for what's new in the world of acmg we're going to take a break come back and 
I will review Batman The Long Halloween Part 2. We'll do that right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dax Xavier Josiah, the host of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the podcast. You want to catch up with all of our podcast shows and hear from some of the hottest names in all of anime, comics, movies, and games, such as... This is Miley Flanagan, the voice of Naruto. This is Stephanie Shea, the voice of Sailor Moon. This is Ruben Langdon, the voice of Ken Masters and Dante from Devil May Cry. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Ryu from Street Fighter V. This is Chris Battle, character designer of Teen Titans Go! Here's your chance to check out all of that and more on TalkTimeLive.com. TalkTimeLive.com provides all of our ACMG content with new and previous episodes, exclusive interviews, articles, and much more. Visit TalkTimeLive.com and let us help you learn to let go, live life, and love all things ACMG. Talk Time Live! This is Charlotte Chung and Fred Tatashore. And you're listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live! Do it. And now it's time for our talk topic of the week. Ready? Wait. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to our talk topic of the week. And it is my review of Batman The Long Halloween Part 2, the follow up to uh, the first movie that came out a little bit earlier this year. They separated the two. They're both about an hour and a 30 minutes long and um, 30 an hour and 30 minutes length of great storytelling here. The first one I really liked, uh, it, it, it covered basically Batman, you know, or Bruce Wayne learning the ropes. He's not as established as he is now. This is kind of like year one Batman almost pretty much. And he's now he's learning the ropes of everything. He's not as established and keen as he normally we are accustomed to. So we get to see him in a little bit vulnerable here. Uh, you know, a novice almost into the Batman game. But he's trying to uncover the, these crimes uh, against the Falcone family and uh, who are just this killer is killing them every single holiday that was starting from Halloween on and when batman thought it was one person it wasn't and it turns out to be somebody else rv dent is also trying to help out along with commissioner gordon and while this is happening we're seeing some side stories of harvey dent and his wife who has some backstories that we don't know about until we watch this movie which a lot of other things become unveiled here i will tell you this Josh Dermel may be my MVP for this movie because I thought he did a tremendous job playing this character that has been played many times before. But my the original the original actor to play uh, Harvey Dent, aka Two Face, was none other than Richard Mall. I pretty sure a bunch of you um, listeners today may not remember that if you're if you're my age and watched batman the animated series back then you may know the name of richard mall richard mall was the original uh, voice of harvey dent but he was also known famously known for playing in a uh legendary uh, classic comedy sitcom called night court uh he he's like this dude is really tall he was he's a really tall lanky dude but he just he kind of looks like you know he would be a, a a bodyguard for somebody and he you played the role of bull on that show so he was famous for playing bull on night court but nobody knew how much knew his range and acting chops was and 
lo and behold, he played the role of, um, of Harvey Dent and played it to a T. Josh Dermell, I feel like channeled his, he channeled uh, Harvey Dent uh, or Richard Mall's portrayal of Harvey Dent and did it tremendous because I, it, this is one of my favorite roles of Josh Mel, and he's done some really cool stuff. I mean, like not just the Transformers movies or anything, but he's come along and done some great movies uh, or fun movies as well. But he took this to another level, man. Uh, I, I I thought he, especially as it go, as things go deeper and deeper into this um, this movie, it gets so so much better. Um, and spoiler alert, we're gonna be talking about this movie, so there's gonna be some spoiler points. If you didn't see this movie yet, do not listen to this until after uh, you watch the movie and then come back. But I'm telling you right now, I enjoyed this. I actually enjoyed this better than the first one because the first one was um, was leading up to everything. So there was kind of a little bit of slow pace, but now part two, it starts off really action-packed at the beginning. We see, we already start to see like the addition of um, Poison Ivy in here. And she off the off the bat, she's just already in here. She's already manipulating. Uh, she's already manipulating uh, Bruce Wayne. Already took him over. And it, Poison Ivy played by um, Katie uh, Sekoff. And she's you see him in some type of hypnotic state. Meanwhile. When we go away from the hypnotic state of Bruce Wayne, you see that his whole entire office in Gotham Manor is covered in vines. <laughs> this is amazing. Um, I love what they did with this part, only to have Catwoman come and save him, aka uh, the late Naya Rivera, uh, who again, this is her final, I believe this is her final role in this, uh, doing this before she, her uh, unfortunate untimely passing here. Um, but again, she does a great job here as well. And in fact, in fact, this is her final role. Um, I'm looking at IMDB right now. There's no other credits regarding 2001. Rest in peace to her. Um, fortunate passing that happened with her. But with that said, she left a beautiful legacy for herself and, um, and her, you know, her family and her Rivera family. They should have been proud of her efforts and work here. It's just, it's just really a shame. But Nonetheless, her role as Catwoman in here is really well done. Um, and I I really appreciate, I really liked it. And I also, very interesting, she's not as the, like the manipulative, or but the, the manipulative, I should say, Catwoman character that we are used to seeing here. She's kind of like really aiming to try to be Bruce's, you know, partner in this whole thing. So I thought that was very interesting. She's not, I mean, she's still kind of flirtatious and in in uh you know in that in that aspect but not like trying to trick him or whatever like that she's really she has some she has some gain within the you know falcone situation so i mean she has history with them as well so going through this movie and seeing everything that happened there's a lot more action that goes on of course we get some of our familiar um voices back david uh Dash um, Mashlin, who played Polka Dot Man in the Suicide Squad, returns as Calendar Man in here. We got uh, my man uh, Fred Tatashore coming back as Solomon Grundy. And Grundy is in here teaming up with Two-Face, which, yes, we do get Harvey Dent turning into Two-Face, uh, which happens after a court case with the Falcones because they discovered that he is the guy behind 
you know what's still interesting he kind of he is supposedly the guy behind the murders but there's more to it in this when we find out later so upon finding out that he's the guy that's been killing off all the murders when he you know because harvey has two sides of him there's harvey dent who wants to stop them the legal way but he has this other dark side that it's getting more and more unstable by the moment and his wife is noticing it all the time and you know it's something that she it, she feels like more distant from him by the day with this and turns out that after the court case he ends up becoming two-faced because one of the mob bosses throw acid in his face at the court case taking out his whole entire body you know his half side of his face and two-faced pretty much is born from here and this is where josh jamel really really shines really shines he ends up somehow finding Solomon Grundy, again, played by Fred Tatashore, and things get deeper from here. A lot of great action here coming in here. Um, Billy Burke as uh, Commissioner Gordon, I think, does a great job, too. Um, I didn't even realize that was Renee Montoya in here. Ashley uh, Deus plays him as well. Uh, we also see a little bit from the Scarecrow and uh, in here as well. Uh, just all around great. The Mad, the Mad Hatter is awesome. The Mad Hatter was so great. Um, John uh, DiMaggio is in here, and he, uh, John DiMaggio plays a ton of different voice roles as well. Uh, so it was a great addition to have him here. Of course, we all know him as Bender. <laughs> so I mean, just great talent. Of course, having Troy Baker as the Joker, you know, if only he's the only guy aside from Chris Hamill that can really rock that voice. I mean, there's been other ones, not as good, but he's the he's the one that kind of really is able to channel, you know, his, uh, that that voice to a T. Another interesting character that I really appreciated was um, Falcone's daughter, uh, Sophia, who's played by um, Layla Burns, uh, Burzins. I like this character. I don't know if she's in the comics like that, but I don't know if she. It, I I never actually watched the uh, the I read the actual comic. But I liked her character in a sense that she wanted to prove that she can take over the Falcone family uh, business. And she stood by her pop. She wasn't trying to, you know, take over or anything. She was really loyal to her, but she was tough, big and badass as well. And there was some history involving um, the Dent, uh, Gilda Dent, who was uh, who was betrayed by uh, Julia uh, Nathanson. And turns out, like, at the end of this whole entire thing, Two-Face is not the only one that's killing the Falcone family. It's also teamed up with his, his, um, it's also teamed up with, in fact, his wife. I didn't, now, here's the part. Here's the cool part about this. And I don't know if this is directly a something from the comics, because in the, I, I've realized, I've come to realize that the animated movies kind of derive away from some of the content of the original uh, i learned this from hush because i was totally disappointed i think hush may be one of the most disappointing uh animated movies they made in terms of storytelling because they turned they changed the plot of who was hush and it ended up becoming a riddler and i know i know for a fact that was not ever the case i don't know why they didn't people to this day are still asking like why did they change the character of hush as the riddler it, it totally 
people really wanted to see the situation of what was going on there, and it kind of threw people off it was a shame especially for those who never really read the comic like that it, it it the whole premise of why he was hushed was ridiculous so i don't know if the same thing goes for here as to whether that character is the same person that um that's in the comic but i thought she was really good in there and i you know there's a lot of is a lot of great great uh scenes in here as well but again great job i actually i tremendously like what happened with this better but it turns out at the end um gilda dent which in in like in the original animated series when they featured uh two-face two-face wife had nothing to do with anything that harvey Dent did um same goes for the for the chris nolan movie like harvey Dent was just i think he was single too at that on there when that movie but um this kind of focused on the fact that he had his wife and just like the animated series they did too but this time the wife was in on the whole thing like she knew that he was killing everybody but he uh, or she was they were the idea at the end because it turns out that batman figured out that harvey was a part of this whole entire thing and he was the one killing everybody but lo and behold did, uh his wife uh, gilda pretty much was all in on it with him in a sense that they were trying to take out the Falcone family because the Falcones he did some horrible stuff to her he was she was apparently dating um her son the one that died in the first movie and not only did she date him but she actually you know I was about to have his kid they didn't say it much but it sounds like that they they did some bad things to her she was in terms of her pregnancy and the fact that she they disowned her from the family because they didn't want her to be a part of the family so she would look like she was almost not much pregnant and now she's not pregnant okay so just put it into theory right there put two and two together right there it was just awful and at some point you kind of felt there was a part of it that like you kind of felt really good thing good vibes from the falcones because of their association with Dwayne's and why they and why there's a like a flashback in there where he where he talks about um or they or they talk about like why the falcones and the waynes actually have worked together for how many years and harvey didn't understand it and commissioner gordon didn't understand it so bruce had to tell him like you know out of his own heart as a doctor he ended up helping this guy regardless of the fact of who he is you know it's the oath of the doctors to save people regardless and in return they created the Dwayne um hospital and everything and then they worked together for years and all this stuff he felt he owed him his life had nothing to do with any raw deals or anything that he had it was just like a code of honor you know among those two and because of that that's when that's partly the reason why Wayne and Martha was killed in Crimali because of their association with the Falcones. So I like the way they connected all that around because that was never a thing on different versions of Batman's uh, telling. So the fact of the Falcones was the reason why the Wayne family died in the uh, in, in Crimali was a really a, a hit so which led to batman becoming who he was I, I like the way they connected that i really do um and 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 you know b 
because of the toxin that uh, Scarecrow in, injected into Batman and, and the manipulation that's been going on, he had to revisit all of that too. Again, this is Batman being a rookie. Like Batman, though a fully established Batman would not let Scarecrow inject any uh, needles into him you know already but this version is still learning the ropes so he's getting the first taste of poison ivy he's getting the first taste of um scarecrow and the good part the thing we know about batman is like fool me one shame on you fool me twice i'm gonna kick your ass <laughs> and therefore he's never really fooled the second time around so uh yeah oh you know what overall i i really enjoyed this movie i enjoyed the plot um if you put them both together they're awesome um, but if you separate the two, if I would say like, which one is, if one is better than the other, I would definitely say part two is a great follow-up to part one. And it definitely, it, it definitely, uh, closes the, closes the, uh, and, and closes the book, uh, really well. And the payoff is great. So, and, and again, the artwork, the, the art style, the animation is just, why can't we get this from Mortal Kombat? We're about to see Injustice God Among Us pretty soon, and it's not going to look any way near as good as what I'm seeing here. It's just not. It's just it's it, it's incredibly sad. So, ah, my goodness, what did I give that movie last week? Because that was I I, I I yeah I gave it a C plus. This is this movie's not getting a C plus. This is getting a solid A for me. I loved everything about it. I loved how Harvey did turn became you know became two-face i love the additions of um scarecrow and poison ivy and a you know a small appearance by the joker um the like great animation great art style great action uh josh Dramel and, and 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 shout out to uh justin uh ackles as well as batman as you know from um supernatural who i you know thought last time i said he did great as um bruce wayne and batman um but josh Dramel, i think he stuck out to me this time and it, you know definitely so because the plot was all based on him and josh Jamel needed to you know he needed to turn it up and that he did man he did very well so kudos to everybody in this uh series and of course shout out to solomon Grundy himself fred tattashore <laughs> you know even a little bit is a lot for him <laughs> so yeah man i give this um movie a solid a this is go out of your way to check this out and i may actually invest and just buy this you know, I, I rented out just to see, but I was just afraid of like, was, if this is not going to be good, I don't want to invest in this. But yeah, I think I am. Even though this is going to be on HBO Max pretty soon, you know, I may want to just keep it for myself. It's worth buying. It's definitely worth buying. Or if you have HBO Max, it will eventually come out for that probably within like a month or so. Probably, I would say probably late October or November, it'll probably be on HBO Max. Watch it all. Just a, it's just fantastic. So Ladies and gentlemen, that will do it for this edition of Talk Time Live. Thank you guys so very much for enjoying the show, for listening to the show, for continuing to listen to all of our shows, um, not only just here, but on TalkTimeLive.com. And if you haven't been on TalkTimeLive.com, I highly recommend you go in there, go into our official website, check it out. All of our uh, podcast episodes are available there, as well as our exclusive video uh, interviews and our exclusive audio interviews as well you go into the search engine type in ttl exclusive you will see all the list of uh people who's been on this show and graced this show and honored me to be on the show uh by being on the show so you can definitely check that out there we also have our media page we have blog pages we got 
so much more content in there and more to come. And if you want to subscribe and download on your favorite podcast platforms, you could do so on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, TuneIn, Audible, uh, Pandora Pocket Cast, and Tumblr. Shout out to you guys out there. So thank you guys so very much. Uh, like I said, this week is going to be awesome because in terms of video games, Lost Judgment comes out this Tuesday. I am going to play it. I'm already still, I'm replaying judgment one uh right now the ps5 version and just enjoying that all over again but this tuesday probably monday midnight i'm going to be playing that i'm going to be playing it consistently and not as consistently because i am going to be out of the uh area for a bit so i will be playing it uh hardcore i'm going to be doing a hardcore run of that game uh as much as i can and didn't talk about it on thursday but also i mentioned at the beginning that there's a big situation evolving in the world of pro wrestling right now and how it affects a particular video game that i reviewed as well as a guest that i had as well and sadly i have not seen any news from their social media outlets since this incident happened um I'm not going to reach out to them on this because I just want to see what their actions is right now. I, it, you don't need a crystal ball to predict the obvious of why they have not responded or promoted their game in a while. But we'll talk about that on Thursday and why it is adamant that you as a celebrity need to really watch your P's and Q's in this case and, and just much, much more. So we'll cover all that because it's sadly going to affect everybody that's involved within that person. Uh, so we'll talk about it on Thursday as well. And then um, what is happening next week? Because we're running down to. Ooh, yeah. All right. So we still will have a show this week. I believe I will have but the next two weeks. I will have shows um, that are coming up for the prime show. But I think after the second will be the last because I will be in. I will be in uh, New York for New York Comic Con there if i have any other news regarding what i'm going to be doing right now just know i'm doing media coverage there but um there are some talks of me possibly hosting and they're just trying to narrow it down to who i can possibly work with but who knows what's going to happen i'm just looking forward to being finally in new york comic con and thanks to repop for you know uh the invite and the guest invite for being there i really am honored to finally get a chance to be there and to be invited by the company themselves it's just really awesome so stay tuned for that and much much more and didn't trust me the next week we will be talking about everything that is going on in that um event and it's going to be interesting seeing a post-covid you know era version of new york comic-con um this makes me wish i wish i were able to attend before that before all of the uh pandemic craziness has happened but Nonetheless, this is actually even more important than ever to see this with everything that's going on. So we got, we're going to have a lot to talk about when it comes in. So stay tuned for that and much, much more. But folks, thanks again. And uh, that'll do it for me. On behalf of myself, this is Dax Avery Josiah saying, learn to let go, live life, and love all things anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. I am out of here. Take care and be safe, everybody.
Music for this episode is provided by Game Chops. Check out these great chiptune tracks and more at music.gamechops.com.